0: Welcome.
1: welcome back welcome 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 back welcome welcome back. welcome 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 welcome
0: welcome welcome welcome
1: hey everybody welcome back to the Anthony and Todd show I am your host Trevor and I'm Vincent and today we got our first batch of new 2022 albums for you yes New year nude
0: albums all these albums were recorded in the buff
1: (laughs) since you can't see me you don't know what i look like right now (laughs) kicking this year off we had a couple of albums that we wanted to talk about and there's too much that came out in that like first couple weeks that we had to split and now we've got to talk about stuff next week so thank you guys for giving us new music uh too much good new music to discuss first up we got the new surprise record from the weekend don fm uh, make sure you tune into your local radio station to hear that uh, hey, next you have we to got, be at least like 70
0: years old
1: yes he's i think okay this is a bit of a spoiler but i think that he's going to be a skeleton on the next <laughs> album cover. that'd be cool i really think so <laughs> <laughs> I really hope so too. Don't get my hopes up for the skellys. So I hope so. Uh, next, we've got the latest project from Earl Sweatshirt. Sick. He just saw uh, Haji do a kickflip, oh. and he was like, "That was so cool." <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, we got the latest mixtape from FKA Twigs. Another surprise album, Capri songs. So without further ado, here are the reviews. Go for it.
0: The weekend on FM.
1: Ever since his smash hit 2015 record "Beauty Behind the Madness," Canadian singer-songwriter Abel Tesfaye has replaced the long-standing Chris Brown as the leading voice in R&B. That statement has no backing facts, so don't ask me about it. It's just how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> but am I right?
0: Yes, because Weekend had to go to the top of a volcano and challenge Chris Brown to a duel and then throw him in. <laughs> with those big Q-tip things. Yeah. <laughs> like American Ninja Warrior, or no, American, American Gladiators. gladiators. Yeah. <laughs> And now now weekend is an American gladiator.
1: He's Canadian gladiator. What is Weekend's
0: American Gladiator name?
1: It's probably like Big Time or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. They have stupid names. Hurt feelings, hurt feelings. <laughs> big tears. <laughs> Song as, like I can't feel my face. No, wait, 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 wait! I okay. figured it out. Just I just figured it out. Part. Sorry, to,
0: sorry to cut you off. I figured it out. It's Jim Carrey, but Jim spelled G Y M. I have to take you to the hospital. <laughs>
1: I just think that is the best. I don't know. <laughs> Songs like Can't Feel My Face and The Hills had a chokehold on radio waves, which continued with Starboy with Daft Punk and then 2020's After Hours, which saw Abel tapping into this neon-drenched sound of the 80s, with singles like Blinding Lights and Save Your Tears leading the charge. After being copied by multiple contemporaries, it led fans to wonder where exactly The weekend would go next, and apparently the answer was right under our noses which was continuing to forge the path of the 80s sounds with the second entry in the apparent trilogy that he's creating now. The opening full song, Gasoline, immediately shows that Abel is this time drawing from other genres on this 80s kick. This track sees The Weeknd melodramatically talk, singing over some wavy alternating synths, calling to mind something from the 80s UK New Wave scene where he's singing, It's 5 a.m. my time again.
0: <laughs> that just sounds like he's old. <laughs> he is old. It's pretty, <laughs> he, he pretty is. clear. <laughs> Not on that track, though.
1: It's pretty hip and vibe. It's. Uh, I think the song is pretty haunting in lyrics and tone, but it's really fun to just jam to. I enjoy Abel's ability to branch out from the traditional pop R&B he's kind of set his roots in.
0: Gasoline sounds like you're constantly traveling down a tunnel. The whole track seems to get more claustrophobic as time goes on. The scents tangle you in this rotating emotional web that the weakens in, distancing himself from caring to avoid getting hurt. Constantly saying, it don't mean much to me, only feeling connected to a girl because she has the same vices as him. Requesting that if he dies, she can just light his body on fire, because in the end, everything is pointless to him.
1: The one promotional single for this record, Take My Breath, has received a dance pop steroid treatment here. I really wasn't overly impressed by the initial single, which I originally thought was an After Hours leftover, but with this new extended dance mix, the track feels fully realized, The bass is thumping, the night is young, and the car is just running through this neon city. The lyrics aren't much to write home about, but with the new mix, Abel gives the track room to swell and breathe, so they aren't really as noticeable.
0: Later on the track, Sacrifice has that homework-era Daft Punk bassline that guides you through oblivion alongside Weekend singing out into the void. Weekend coming to the idea of being okay with being alone because he doesn't want to give up his vices. The girl he mentions on the track wants to fix him and he absolutely wants nothing to do with it. He loves the fling but doesn't want to change anything in his life. He just wants to linger in the chaotic mess he's made.
1: I can't give all the credit to the weekend himself, though. On this uh, whole project, joining him to produce this record are pop legend Max Martin, only beaten in most number one singles by literal Beatles and like Electron- actual actual Beatles, like yeah, bug? like the Bugs. That's crazy. I know it's nuts. They're really good at making music. <laughs> <laughs> as well as electronic musician 10 of Point Never. It's really easy to see their influence on the sounds of this record with Martin's pop sensibilities as well as uh, One of Trix's more experimental stylings. Take a look at the track Out of Time, which famously features a sample from the city pop song Midnight Strangers from Japanese singer Tomoko Aran. This is something I don't think that The Weeknd or Martin would have pulled, so I'm glad that they pulled in some fresh minds to work with. It really freshens up The Weeknd's sound. Out of Time is a key
0: example of why the 80s synth pop sound works so well for the weekend. The ultra-sweet synth chords reflect light off of Abel, like a giant disco ball. Shimmering in the Darkness, the track itself is a traditional missed opportunity love song, but put in the context of Falling Sacrifice, you can view this as a wake-up call for the weekend. Like, he realized what he missed out on and is kind of coming to his senses of his problems, before going totally petty on Here We Go Again, making fun of her new partner and saying that he's got this new famous chick. I think totally it makes sense for Tyler to be distant on this track but you can totally tell he's phoning in his verse he sounds bored and his verse is pretty small this track didn't really need him and it could have been on the cutting room floor or eventually released as a remix b-side
1: abel isn't the first one in the pop scene to pull a gimmick like structuring an album like a radio station broadcast and he definitely won't be the last but i think he does a great job of establishing mood through that device Instead of shoehorning in corny little skits or fake commercials, Abel brings in Jim Carrey of all people to record bumpers for 103.5 Don FM. This album sounds like how I would describe a liminal space, like pumping gas at a lone gas station at 3 in the morning or driving down this empty highway at night for hours without passing another car. Every time you start to get a little too comfortable with the album and its songs, The Weeknd throws in a Jim Carrey voice snippet or a station ID jingle to bring you back into the theming. He won't let you forget this weird space you're in. The track Every Angel Is Terrifying features these Stranger Things-esque synths climbing around Abel's creepy vocals, and also this weird commercial for Afterlife, which might be a religion or might be The Weeknd's next album, who knows. It's a little frightening and very in-your-face, like a sensationalized radio ad that bursts through the mind-numbing music. While more of an experiment than a song, I think it's one of the most interesting tracks and moments on here.
0: Less Than Zero is my least favorite track on here, but I still really enjoy it in the end. I think it's just too bright overall. While I know we're heading towards the brighter section of the afterlife on the next album, I think this track is too breathlessly carefree sounding. It would really make for a killer little Nas X single, and I think the reason I think that is just how forward and almost pop punk the kicks sound in the mix, and how gentle the acoustic guitar feels, making it kind of almost out of place compared to the rest of the tracks on this album. The lyrics ground the track a bit with weekend accepting the fact that this girl will never see him as a correct choice, he'll always be less than zero in her eyes, and he just has to linger with that idea and can never escape it.
1: As far as features go, I think this might be the most mixed bag that The weekend has had on an album. That's not to say I don't like the featured artists, but I'm just not that impressed with all their performances here. Tyler on Here We Go Again, like Vincent mentioned, sounds bored, like he's really phoning it in. His verse isn't all that interesting, basically rapping about the dark side of marriage. But Lil Wayne, on the other hand, sounds all too happy to be on the track I Heard You're Married. But he also lacks substance on his verse at all. He's just spitting out corny one-liners one after another. He says, I thought we were some lovebirds, canaries, word to Larry. Like, come on. (laughs) So corny. I will take this enthusiastic bad performance over a pretty run-of-the-mill boring one any day of the week, though. There are some good features on the project, though, like a tale from Quincy sees legendary producer Quincy Jones telling about his relationship with his own parents, and now how he's a parent making mistakes as well. He also talks about his relationship with his mother and then evil stepmother that caused him to push women away in his adulthood. It's an interesting short little track and interlude. Finally, there's Phantom Regret with Jim. And I thought that was a really funny title at the beginning because I didn't realize that Jim Carrey, like, I didn't put two and two together. So I was like, who's Jim? It's the guy from The Office. (laughs) Yeah. It's closer to this album where Jim Carrey gives this spoken word verse over ambient synths and The weekend vocalizing in the background. Carrey's poem is surprisingly beautiful and self-reflective. While also having this haunting quality of liminal space that I talked about earlier, given Jim's background in transcendental meditation, it's fascinating to hear him speak about the voice of the soul and letting go of regret. Between this track and his work on the radio bumpers, I really appreciate his work on this album, and once again shows how great Carrie can be as a dramatic actor if given the chance.
0: I have no idea how Weekend got Jim Carrey for this, but it's a perfect fit. This is more of the dark, troubled, and creatively interesting Jim Carrey that pops up in *Internal Sunshine*, *Of Spotless Mind*, and *Jim and Andy: The Great Beyond*. His committing of the role is absolutely necessary. If he would have had a more phoned-in attitude like Tyler, it would have definitely killed the atmosphere and theme of this album. He's cold and mockingly sarcastic, being the key figure in the Weekend's transition from purgatory to paradise. The use narratively of. Jim carry on this album is the perfect texture to add this barren background for the weekend to moodily contemplate the rut he's in emotionally his performance on the final track comes off as some divine dr seuss like poet it's the i think perfect- you mean
1: dr robotnik like
0: <laughs> it's the perfect push pull of emotionally empty and blissfully optimistic these are the collaborations that i think make the whole feature culture worth it in the end because you'll get Something so out-of-the-box and captivating that it causes you to rethink the format as a whole.
1: Overall, I think this might be Abel's most fully realized and fleshed-out album yet. I feel Don FM has pretty comparable themes to that of After Hours. The Weekends' lyrics in the past couple of years have not left me feeling over-impressed, but on a completely musical basis, the sounds and structures of the songs on Don FM are some of his hardest-hitting and most experimental. While After Hours and Beauty Behind the Madness lean pretty hard into The Weekends' single power, so to speak, the tracks presented on Don FM leave me feeling more challenged in a good way and have stuck in my head longer. The weekend shows us once again why he's the reigning voice in R&B and that no one has done his 80s throwback style better than him besides himself.
0: On Dawn FM, Weekend finds a way to make his broken bad boy persona work for me more on this. He's slowly acknowledging his problems and mistakes and hopefully leading to the next album, Afterlife, where he can fix those issues. This is my favorite Weekend project today. It's the one where I think he's shown the most definite, full, creative vision, and he isn't just some moody, edgy pop star. It's a complete 180 from the disaster My Dear Melancholy was a few years ago. I'm impressed and excited for whatever's next in his career, and I'm super ecstatic to see what the end of the trilogy is.
1: It's the skeleton. It's the
0: skeleton. (laughs) Has to be. (laughs) Ouch. Earl Sweatshirt. Sick.
1: There was a time not too long ago where I can remember people clamoring for Earl Sweatshirt's music in the same way they would for a new Frank Ocean or Childish Gambino release. I specifically remember this tweet that said, like, the Bermuda Triangle of artists that don't release music were Gambino, Earl, and ChittyBang. Bang. But <laughs> I'm not sure Chitty Bang's not even in the conversation anymore. Was was Frank not on there? No. <laughs> but now I feel like it would be Frank, Gambino, and Chitty Bang. <laughs> Rest in peace, Chitty Bang. Yeah, <laughs> his singles and features were pretty few and far between between the eras of Doris and Idols, and nowadays Earl has been cropping up everywhere with features on projects from artists like Z Loopers, The Alchemist, Quelle, Makami, Wiki, and of course Armand Hammer. He's been more active than ever since the release of his genre-defying and defining record Some Rap Songs back in 2018. That project has grown on me quite a bit since it came out, and it's clear to see the influence of the record in just about all of those artists that I just listed. His newest album, Sick, follows in the footsteps of some rap songs, and that is a tightly wound, densely packed record under the guise of a loosely wound, spaced out record. The opening track, Old Friends, gives us this large, spacey beat from The Alchemist, and that sets up the premise of the album. Earl raps about the pandemic and both the overwhelming pressure of living in a difficult time, but also this drive to be more and produce great art. He also talks about remaining friends with people that he doesn't even talk to often, probably in reference to Odd Future as a whole. He stated similar things in the title track Sick, where it sounds like Earl recorded with a nasty head cold. Honestly, he sounds kind of bad, but maybe that's the point? I'm not sure, maybe I'm missing something. The next track, 2010, is one of my favorites on the album. I love the shimmering, futuristic, reversed beat from Black Noise, which directly contrasts Earl's lyrics about the year 2010. He reminisces about making his debut mixtape and finally being recognized as an artist. The final line, though, as so many have pointed out, is absolutely heartbreaking as he talks about not looking to the past as he continues to break new ground in his career because it's too painful to look at what he left behind. It's something that a lot of artists probably have to deal with, but Earl articulates it in a very profound way.
0: Black Noise's beats on this project separate themselves from the pack. Earl on these tracks is the most focused and hungry. On 2010, Chirping Synth spins around and around and nauseating flash in nauseating fashion. Earl gets lost in reflection, focusing early in his career with this grief, but also gratefulness that he's out of that time in his life. There's this juxtaposition of what should be nostalgic but is actually traumatic. Later on with Titanic, Earl delivers one of his most contemporary-sounding flows of his career, which you think would be a bad thing, but Earl devours the whole entire track. I love the whole offbeat demeanor over this bubbly and whiplash-inducing trap beat. Black noise provides. Earl is cold and vicious and does. Miss. You kind of just have to listen to this track to understand the true amount of power Earl punches with on this track. The true highlight and my definite favorite moment off this project.
1: Earl's choices of features I think were well chosen for this project. First up we get Z-Loopers on the track Vision. In a way Z-Loopers is toned down, possibly struggling over a slower beat than he's used to, but he finds his ground about a third of the way in. I love the tail end of his verse where he says he needs someone to remind him where he's from and where he's going just saying what's happening over and over again. Earl's verse then is angry really leaning into concerns about the pandemic in regards to rent control specifically in housing.
0: On Vision these haunting flourishing keys fade out the track as z loopers loses himself in his verse in a good way like the track is just this haze that has consumed z loopers whole while it's not as impressive as some of the more faster and intense tracks he's done i like this wobbly and fragile verse he brings to the table and later on earl contrasts z with his fully lucid verse amidst the chaos of the background
1: The next track, Tabula Rasa, is a killer posse cut from Earl and Elucid and Billy Woods. All three of these rappers don't miss, and I enjoy each one of their verses. Tabula Rasa, the phrase means blank slate in Latin, and I think that's pretty clearly associated with the Theravada and Rob Chambers beat. It's nostalgic and piano-driven, but also drumless, putting the spotlight on the verses rather than the beat itself. Lie, in another great production moment, shows off Alchemist's excellent ear and gives Earl the super fuzzy, horn-sampled beat. It almost sounds like a Van Gogh's left ear leftover, but in a good way. Earl thrives on this kind of production, as evidenced by his features on Loose Change and Nobles from This Thing of Ours last year.
0: Tabula Raza is insane, Elusa drops one of those verses where he feels like he's spitting jazz, everything is loose and doesn't add up like you would expect it would. Getting cut off by the background vocal chops, constantly throwing you off balance. Followed by Billy Woods, who intently steals the spotlight while being the perfect buffer between Elucid and Earl. Earl, at the finale, again holds his own and maintains his composure with this rough, grimy, off putting beat, managing to mean this focused voice amidst the chaos.
1: At the close of this album, Earl delivers the tracks Titanic and Fire in the Hall, two of the best moments on the project. The former sees Earl seemingly taking even more inspiration from Bruiser Brigade's latest efforts with the verses in 3, each with an ad-lib from his friend Knock Smith. Black Noise's production is what I can only describe as wacky style, and I really enjoy hearing Earl switch up his flow a little bit. He's hard-hitting, but... Sounds exhausted, like the world has just beat him down so much that even though he wants to make a change, he feels like he doesn't even have the mental capacity to do so. The final track then leaves us with a moment I compare pretty favorably to Riot from some rap songs. Earl raps a short verse, but leaves the instrumental to speak for itself, starting out with this cool, smooth guitar solo, and finally playing us out with this piano passage. It's very down to earth and a beautiful moment, just leaving us on this note that strays so far from all the other tracks. It's like finding a flower growing through the cracks of the sidewalk and leaves me feeling both mentally drained yet somewhat hopeful. Earl perfectly balances that feeling of hopelessness that the world isn't going to get better, but the cautious optimism that things tend to work out somehow.
0: There are tracks on this thing where Earl distances himself off, experimenting with presence and space on the track. On Sick, like Trevor mentioned, he sounds physically ill, like he's just crumbling underneath the 808s on the track. And then later on with God Laughs, it sounds like he recorded his vocals in an empty room three feet away from the mic. I like how the richness of the keys and off-pitch reflections resonate a tone that allows Earl to separate himself from the audience. Neither of these tracks are important, but I like how Earl finds new ways to experiment with his own presence throughout the album. This is a good project, however, I think it's far too short. Clocking in at just 24 minutes, I feel like Earl has too many experiments and not enough solid hits to make this a fully-fledged follow-up to some rap songs. However, this is a much better feat of Clay. His experiments seem worthwhile, and nothing seems too lost in the shuffle. While I can't commend Earl's experimenting with presence, I feel like two more tracks could have really done wonders in making people see this more as its own thing, separating it from some rap songs.
1: Overall, I think six greatest sins is not being some rap songs. I've seen a lot of flack for this album not being experimental enough or dense enough, comparing it often to Earl's last full-length project, but as we said in our Call Me If You Get Lost review, an album doesn't have to be as good as one of the artists previous to be a good project. If an artist releases your favorite personal project, or even one that critics say is their best album ever, the subsequent release isn't going to be remembered as fondly. And I think viewing Sick and some rap song's Shadow is silly and doesn't allow you to really take in the album for what it is. So much has changed since some rap songs, both in Earl's personal life and in the world, both in like the political sense and also in the music world, so it's only fair that this one will sound different. Sick is a great snapshot into Earl's world as it stands in 2022 and can only be read through that lens. No matter how you slice it, Sick is another densely packed, deliberately and meticulously planned Earl sweatshirt project that should be treated as such, and not as some rap song's little brother.
0: FKA Twigs. This album is the 17-song concept mixtape about not being able to puncture a hole in a Capri Sun and the depression that comes from being withdrawn from that sweet, sweet nectar. <laughs>
1: Capri Song sees FKA Twigs moving away from experimental sounds and underground hits into more of a mainstream pop sound, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I wouldn't call Twigs a sellout by any means, just different stems of inspiration. Very obviously a mixtape, the whole project isn't as cohesive as previous efforts, but she continually sticks the landing with each track. The mainstream pop sound is pretty evidenced by the first track, Ride the Dragon. It's sweet and sexy with this booming beat that allows Twigs to really soar. My favorite part, though, is the first part where Twigs is talking about making a mixtape for her lover, and then there are these garbled vocals that sound like Frankenstein taking your order in the McDonald's drive-thru. It's really unintentionally (laughs) funny. You do your impression
0: of it, like you did for me off camera. Yeah,
1: she goes, Hey, I made you a mixtape. And then he goes, (laughs) That's
0: Grimace. (laughs)
1: McDonald's. Tears in the Club with The Weekend was the only track that we got before this full tape release, and both Twigs and Abel are in top form on this auto-tuned banger. The weekend's background vocals really accentuate Twigs in the foreground, the two just swirling around each other in a sadness tornado. Also, Arca is interpolated on here too, which is a really cool moment, but also kind of random. She
0: She's also a uh, producer, co-producer.
1: Yeah, of- yeah, like... One of the last songs, isn't it? No, she's she's co-produced her in that track. Oh, I thought it was just because the song was interpolated. Fancy. I also really enjoyed the song Oh My Love, where we see Twigs singing about a confusing relationship she's in. You can hear the frustration in her voice as she's screaming out the immensely catchy hook, everybody knows that I want your love, and I especially love when the other female voices get added in. Like, Twigs is part of this army of women that are all facing the same problem.
0: FKA Twig's collaborations on this are actually a huge step up from her last album, Magdalene. All the collaborations on this are great. As Trevor stated earlier, Tears in the Club with The Weeknd is an emotional club banger. Why am I crying in the club right now? It's because of the song. Poppy Bones with Shy Girl manages to make a dancehall track seem natural in the lineup. And Careless with Daniel Caesar is a surprisingly tender collaboration. The track feels so weightless. Twig's voice on the hook is so perfect. It's the right amount of frailness that rings your ears. And makes the track itself rattle to the core, and Seizure just matches that tone perfectly with suave charisma.
1: While she does take on a more mainstream approach to this tape, that's not to say Twigs isn't branching out at all to different styles and genres. The track Honda with Slow tie's cousin Pa Salu, the two are casually trading bars on this track over an angelic but bassy spliced beat. Okay, uh, wait, wait, wait. Slow tie and Passaloo are not actually cousins. Okay, I was gonna they say just, <laughs> they worked together on that track gliding last year. They sound like very they sound very similar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, because at first I thought it was Slow Tie. I was like, what the fuck's Slowtie on? Here?
1: <laughs> no, it's not. No. No disrespect to Passalu. I actually really like his music. The hook is so catchy and cadence and gets stuck in your brain pretty easily. Another more experimental moment is the all-out dance hall and reggaeton song Poppy Bones with Shy Girl that Vincent just mentioned i straight up did not like this song at first but it ended up being the only track or one of the only tracks that stood out to me the most at the end of the day on first listen and now it's one of my favorites on the tape shy girl and twigs work so well together just creating this infectious danceable energy that you can't help moving to this song it's tons of fun and pays great respect to the dance hall scene without being a total sellout with some other mainstream artists have done in the past
0: on Moose, a fast-paced compressed drum loop carries Twigs through this narrow track. The first part of the track feels like it's carried in the middle of the EQ. Like the track is missing the treble and the bass. Then these warp synths come in and create this disorienting head rush, followed by this video of a fan requesting Twigs release her Dua Lipa collab. It's little moments like the end of the track that highlight strange connections Twigs has with the world. Later on Which Way, Twigs has a conversation describing that she's not the rock star's girlfriend. She she is the rock star Girlfriend. Canon moments like these really help the develop character of Twigs into something more personable. Before, I always felt like she's always considered herself alien or separated herself. This time, I feel like she really does a good job of showcasing herself more thoroughly and giving herself a more defined character arc. The track Which Way is hyper, with flowing hi-hats creating static in the back of the track, fronted by Twigs' vocals which feel like they're escalating, attempting to steer clear of this giant mess that's unfolding.
1: I also really enjoy the late track Darjeeling with Georgia Smith and Unknown T. The trio find themselves over this electronic UK drill beat, each telling their stories about coming up in the UK scene and moving to London. I love the refrain with Twig singing You're Not Alone and how London is full of people like them. While the city might feel like it takes you away from your home and family, it ends up being welcoming and you'll find like-minded people there if you just look.
0: The Closer Thank You song is produced by ARCA and is this intense whirlwind of unapologetic love. Twigs' intimate voice is amplified through intense processing, sounding like her vocals are interfering with one another, causing feedback. This intense, empty void with distant piano is turned into a snowstorm when Twigs gets to the hook. So many elements of her vocals rain down, covering the track in a beautiful layer of vocal dissection. FKA Twigs narrows experimental creativity in order to create more consistency throughout this album. While it's not as risky and forward-pushing as previous material, this is a well-balanced art pop album that I think showcases the best hush qualities with the most poise possible. Further humanizing Twigs on this, making her seem way more relatable. Before she was an alien, something that you couldn't understand. Not only are you able to relate and empathize with her on this, she draws you in with so many catchy and strobe-like blinding tracks. I didn't know what to expect from this one at first, but it's absolutely a necessary listen for this year so far. Make sure you don't miss out. And that wraps it up for this episode of the Anthony and Todd show. Next week, we will be covering Redacted, and I can't wait to talk about I'll also be covering my body with some clothes. <laughs> yeah, because the nude new, the new year is slowly wearing off. It's becoming a regular <laughs> year if we have to put on clothes.
1: <laughs> I'm getting in trouble at work. <laughs>
0: If you want to follow the Anthony and Todd show, I don't know why you would, but you can, uh, you can find us on social media at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Anthony and Todd. You can find us YouTube.com forward slash the Anthony and Todd show. You can find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and Spotify by searching the Anthony and Todd show on your favorite podcast listening service. I have an album out, Layer Effects, which you can find on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Tidal listen to that right now you can find me on twitter at the vincent short you can find trevor on twitter at alistair McCallis. and until next time guys i've been
1: vincent i'm
0: trevor and see you boyos bye everybody goodbye 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 thank you goodbye